Welcome back to Sci-Fi Cross-Sections, a podcast dedicated to everything science fiction. It's me, your sci-fi boy, Colin Brandon, and with me today is... Jason. I am Ben Young. I'm Bill Jarvis. Andrew's back. And today we are talking about the color out of space. The latest Nicolas Cage freak out. <laughs> you know, he's got a lot of them. Uh, but before we get into the movie, we're going we're gonna to go back to... Uh, a failed thing that we did a long time ago. I don't know if it was ever failed. We just stopped doing it. Well, it's because we were putting episodes out way too <laughs> infrequently. Once a but uh, we're going to do news a news, news segment because I feel like a weekly podcast deserves a news segment. So, Ben, what's new in sci-fi? There's a lot of interesting stuff going on right now. So uh, Netflix has inked a six-figure deal for the sci-fi spec script Endurance. Almost seven. Almost seven. Uh, Simon Kinberg is unfortunately set to produce, and the writers are commercial actor Dalton Lieb and composer touring with Michael Bublé, Nicholas Jacobson Larson. Two fucking no-names. This is a project that has been backed heavily by CAA, which if you guys don't know is like a wildly corrupt actor's agency, actoring writing agency in uh, L.A., and so now because of this, uh, these two writers actually have to forego a lot of their union um, or they, yeah, they have to forgo a lot of their union rights now because the Writer, Writers Guild of America is currently having a spat with CAA. Oh. So they're basically scabs right now. Well, Writers Guild is linked up with uh, SAG, right? Aren't they? Well, they're, they're separate unions, but they stand together for the yeah, most part. Okay. Yeah. So, right. yeah, so I thought that was interesting. Uh, we don't really know what it's about, but uh, Netflix seems to be very confident in it. So maybe something cool, but Simon Kimberg, so maybe not. Here, I thought this was the company that was going to take a step back from doing a bunch of original shit, but I guess not. No. Um, next up, this is really interesting. Lin-Manuel Miranda has signed on to executive produce the sci-fi movie musical Neptune Frost. Deadline reports. It's written by Ezra Miller of The Flash and musician Saul Williams. It just gets getting weirder and weirder. And the pair have, have you guys heard about this? I did. And the pair have recently, so Ezra Miller and Saul Williams have started their own production company called Martyr Loser Kin. And the production company's goal is to aim to create, and uh, sorry, and quote, I need, this is important, quote, create and proliferate works that dismantle conventional cinematic ideological frameworks as well as to synergistically naturalize into this industry more poetic, queer, explorative, anarchic, diverse, subversive, non-binary, aboriginal, and environmental, ecological, and esoterically conscious content that will speak to both the times in which we live and the forces that seek to restrict them, end quote. I'm shaking my head. I'm, I'm, <laughs> oh, I'm man, out. I got a pretense boner right now. <laughs> but at the same time, like, yeah, it's like, it's, it's, it's obnoxiously, a boner. it's obnoxiously pretentious. But at the same time, like, I'm curious now, at least. I mean, like, I'm all for it. My interest great. is peaked. Uh, the film itself follows an intersex African hacker, a Colton miner, and the virtual Marvel born as a result of their union. And the movie has already begun filming in Rwanda, so. I don't know. So I'm really excited, though. I'm excited to cover that well, one. Ben, you used all of our time on the podcast <laughs> talking about whatever bullshit that was. I'll see you next week. All right, we'll move quickly then. Um, <clears throat> uh, the new trailer, you might have seen it po us post it. The new trailer for Altered Carbon Season 2 has been released by Netflix. Uh, the season continues to follow Takeshi, Takeshi Kovacs. 
I, I didn't watch it, Kovach. so I don't know. Kovach. Kovach. Sorry, thank you. Hard edge. Um, I will watch it. I promise. It's the Japanese guy from Wisconsin. Only this time yes. he is in the sleeve. Yes, of actually. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Only this time he is in the sleeve of Anthony Mackie. Uh, season two premieres February twenty seventh, and we'll be covering. Is that a, a euphemism little, for something? And we'll be covering watch, it a little ways down the road. Watch the show, and you'll get it. I I have spaces for where you can interrupt me. I'll I'll pause, and then you could say something funny, and then. I will continue. I prefer I'm rolling on my sleeve. We ruined Ben's whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he I told us if we don't use meta information here, that'd be great. Thanks. <laughs> ben told us we would ruin it, and we did. Oh, is that finally? Yes. Number one meta mill. Finally, The Mandalorian season two is confirmed to release October of this year, as confirmed by Disney. Bob Iger may or may not have been quoted saying, we need to get this shit out as fast as possible. We need more Baby Yoda money. Mm. I, I think mm. I speak for everyone here when I say. I would like to see Sabine. <laughs> <laughs> we need more Yodi. And of course, we will be covering it once it comes out later this year. Well, uh, and then for more information, uh, we are always posting articles and information and cool stuff at our Facebook, facebook.com slash sci-fi cross sections. Come check us out. And we have a Twitter now. Oh, yes. And twitter.com slash SF cross sections. Sci-fi cross sections was too long. Oh, okay. I was like, interesting choice. So, Street right. Fighter cross sections. Jason? Ooh, next podcast idea. I was just going to say, I feel like Mandalorian, that's a pretty quick turnaround. I mean, then again, we, we're talking about the Baby Yoda money. I feel like with Baby Nut out in the wild now, they definitely have to uh, try to capitalize because there's... <laughs> Is Baby Nut a real thing? Is that like the Super Bowl or something? Yes, yes. Baby Nut's a real know, thing. I don't know why we're making parallels to Is 2020 the year of the baby? Because it's shit. It's the year of and the baby. It was... And if there's no Baby Yoda in the wild, then Baby Nut's going to come and take all the... Uh... Okay, Baby Nut is psychologically tormenting to me. <laughs> I don't appreciate Baby Nut. You just imagine Werner Herzog, I need to see the nut. I am... <laughs> the Baby Nut. No, I imagine Werner Herzog's voice coming out of Baby Nut. And just oh. being like, I am back. I have a joke that is actually inappropriate. I'm a for this podcast. Nut. Oh, like, yeah, don't say it. Tell no, me I, I just want you guys to know, like, it's and inappropriate. And the nut was so beautiful that I started crying yeah. and I the called the producer a coward. Yeah. Oh, the pr- okay. I'm a baby nut. I'm very right salty back. nut. All right. Um, anyways, thank you, Ben, for the news. That was good stuff. Well, uh, I think we'll continue that segment next week. Mm hmm. Hopefully more news happens. Um, but the reason we're here today, I think it will. Oh, I. Are, are we going to talk about my segment that I wanted to do? What's Casper yeah. Van Dien doing this week? Rico's Roughnecks! All right. <laughs> so, Casper Van Dien oh my God. tonight is in Prague. This weekend, he's at Comic-Con Prague. <laughs> he just recently updated his uh, Twitter a couple hours ago. His was, you know what to do, hashtag Prague, hashtag Comic-Con Prague, hashtag Chuck Republic, hashtag Casper Van Dien, hashtag Starship Troopers, hashtag Johnny Rico, hashtag Bugs, hashtag Alita Battle Angel, hashtag All-American, hashtag CW, hashtag Sci-Fi, hashtag Conman, hashtag Tarzan, hashtag Sleepy Hollow, slash... <laughs> <laughs> hashtag horror, hashtag monk, hashtag Beverly Hills 90210, hashtag Johnny Cage, hashtag Comic Con, hashtag personal appearance, hashtag ManCon, hashtag fan convention, hashtag photo op. I'm looking over his shoulders. <laughs> this fucker really has all of his things in his hashtag. Hashtag autograph, hashtag autograph collection, hashtag signing, hashtag H4 agent, H agency, hashtag heroes for hire, at Comic Con Prague, at Starship so Super. My question <laughs> is was Casper Van Dean in the Emmy Award-winning show Monk, because he's got that hashtag. Who was he in Alita? 
Oh my god, we he, talked he about was, it on the he cast. Was in Did we? Yeah. yeah, I don't remember uh, the character. He was, um, he was yeah, he he's was the guy that breaks in Drucker and actually or, uh, uh, kills. Oh yeah, that's uh, right. He was one daughter. of the guys. Oh, that's right. Okay, so, but just this uh, is them in this segment of Casper Van Dien this week. Just Thank a heads up, Casper. There's such a thing as hashtag saturation, and your social media provider will block you from news feeds for so that. I so relax. Uh, two things I want to say about this. First off, is that man is in the prime of his career as those hashtags have just told us Two, i don't think he uh, did those hashtags no he has an assistant i was yeah. gonna say when the hashtags are you know longer than the post itself then you really <laughs> have to question it I, I try to limit myself to like maybe two or three hashtags if they're tasteful and relevant but it's usually i don't i don't go back to Dude, movies i was in 30 years ago he's trying to bring the fans out but anyway thank you Thank you for making All this segment work. All I need to say, work. Bill, it was a great segment. Can you try next week to have him call in? Yeah, no, no. Because ideally, I would love to have Honestly, Casper call in from it, Prague. If yeah, somebody he could give us his own hashtag. If somebody could throw word. in a fiver, and by that mean, I mean a, a nice crisp Lincoln, a nice crisp $5 bill, I could probably get him on. All right. Yeah. I really want to talk about this movie. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to jump into the yeah. movie now. Bill, All right, this has been the segment the... of what is Casper and Dean up to this week? The Color Out of Space. Directed by Richard Stanley, uh, his first movie since he was fired from the island of Dr. Moreau in 1996. Uh, written by Richard Stanley and Scarlett uh, Amaris. I didn't look up what else she's done. Uh, to a budget of $6 million. Wow. Honestly, I thought, Not it, bad. I thought it would be a little bit more. So, I will say, interrupting you completely, that for $6 million, this movie is really gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I'm just happy to see Richard Stanley making movies again. Uh, I heard that Val Kilmer put a curse on him. And, uh, <laughs> hex? Did he put a hex on him? He, he actually he rematerialized after 20 years. He's, he's been in the forbidden zone. Yeah, his his, his time is up. Now he's back. Okay. Yes. Um, he's pretty good. Uh, I put this in here, but I'm going to... Eh, I guess I'll bring it up now. No, I'll bring it up later. Anyways, starring Nicolas Cage, uh, Jolie Richardson... Who, honestly, I don't think I've seen anything she's been in since. Uh, I know problem. Well, no, oh, oh, I didn't see that. So last thing I remember, her from, like the Patriot. Hmm. Remember? Yeah, that was even before Nipto. Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah and uh, Madeline Arthur. Okay, I'm gonna screw this up, but Corianka uh, Kilcher. Sounds right. And Tommy Chong. It's the top build cast. I don't think the sun, either either the suns in the movie were included in the top build cast, but it's okay. Who's counting? Anyways, yeah, Ben, do you want to hit us with a raw synopsis? When I say raw, meaning you wrote it I within did. the last couple of days. I wrote it, wrote it like uh, a couple hours ago. A man. Um, <clears throat> based on the short story by notorious racist H.P. Lovecraft, the color out of space. Not to be confused with the color purple is the story of the horrors that are visited upon the rural Gardner family when a mysterious meteorite crashes into their farm and unleashes the color out of space. The color taints the water and mutates every form of life in the area, including the family, to serve its own eldritch purposes. And there you have it, the color out of space synopsis. So... 
This was another sci-fi boy field trip. This we was all a sci-fi boy field yeah. trip, right? We all went up there in the car and saw it. At the Music Box in Chicago. Yes. Beautiful theater. Yeah, support your local Music Box theater yeah. in um, Chicago. <laughs> we definitely slammed quite a few drinks before we went into that theater, which I think made the experience better. I had half a bottle of wine and half a bottle of champagne. <laughs> yeah. Jesus was, Miller. It was a good night. Let me just say it was a really good night. It was night. great. I will say, I think I was double fisting uh, uh, Jerry Diets. I saw that. Jerry. Yep. yep. Jerry. And then he kept whispering to me, oh man, you went up and got a drink? Why didn't you say something? I would have given you money. <laughs> and then he goes, I, I just don't want to stand up right now. <laughs> I said that several times. And I stand by it, damn it. Uh, but regardless, it, oh, it was a very fun movie. Um, the entire audience. No, oh, everybody was into it. It was great. Oh, it was an experience. It. Like, that's what the theater is all about. Like, everyone shared in the experience that is Richard Stanley's Lovecraftian vision together and Nicolas Cage's Lovecraftian vision because he definitely mm -hmm. was involved heavily in yeah. all of this. My only regret is that I that we didn't sit closer. Mm -hmm. Like, I yeah. felt like the where we sat was a little far away. That's the only thing I regret about this movie. Well, a little aside, I mean, I, I would assume based on kind of our conversations on that night that you guys have all been to the theater before, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Once. So I have not. That was my first experience there, mm. and I loved it. It was awesome. It's a great and place. Really cool. Uh, just as far as like the events they do, uh, kind of like a shout out to the theater because I definitely like after the fact like their page and you know they do a lot of cool one-off things but just that type of film in that type of environment i feel like it's perfect you know you could have waited i'm sure two more weeks and it would have been on prime video or whatever but it just wouldn't have been the same so right. i certainly thought that that was a like uh, ben said kind of like the atmosphere uh, Actually, was really worth it i recommend you subscribe to their uh, email list because they'll just shoot that shit to your phone and you can see what's coming up and stuff. Yeah, yeah and they, they do fun it. things like this all the time. The first time I'd ever gone was uh, for like the 15th anniversary of Donnie Darko. They got a 70 millimeter film yeah. festival coming up uh, where they will be playing 2001 and I think we should do that. We should go see it. Yeah. We Even should. if we don't do an episode on it, we should just go. Yeah, might be a just good field trip. The color out of space. Bill, I didn't get your uh, initial impressions. We, we kind of all just talked about the, the initial, how we felt about seeing the movie in the Music Box. Um, That was your first time in the Music Box, wasn't it? Mm -mm, no, I went to a 48-hour film prod. Oh, film. More than right. that, we had, we've we had a film on the on the screen. Oh, the, was it a sci-fi film? Uh, yeah, we actually have had a sci-fi film on the screen in Music Box. How about that? Yeah. it's I, I would share it, but it's not very good. Agreed. <laughs> It's the alien from it. He kind of ruins it. Um, but uh, I would say... Um, it's a mutant. Mutant, sorry. I didn't understand the movie. Um, <laughs> I wrote it! I didn't understand the movie. All right. Uh, what was R.G. Neff doing in there? Anyway, uh, so I was... So my first impression is, holy shit, that's kind of like... I kind of had an emotional, visceral response. Like, yes. almost like animal-like instinct of fear and trying to... God. <laughs> fucking claw my way out of the theater like i don't know i i he's I, going nick cage he almost turned into nick cage i I, I i i i kind of feel like nick cage right now and um it's what made the movie so good yes well <laughs> th it, don't take this as an insult in any sort of way bill but i may have at least 
three times, leaned over to Jason during the movie and go, oh my god, it's Bill Jarvis. Oh wait, seriously? <laughs> Dude, you could, like, no, we should no, do no. something again, because I think you could channel that. No, no, just yeah. like the mannerisms that you do sometimes, it's like, oh my god, Nick Cage is playing mm, Bill Jarvis. I'll go pick a bottle out. <laughs> you can do that. I got it. I, I have to be honest, and this is, it's kind of hard for me to admit, but I have seen Bill kill an alpaca <laughs> i could probably count it on both hands a yeah. mutated alpaca or just a regular I'll, one i'll be, I mean I'll be honest i'll be honest when <laughs> that scene came up when that scene came up i blushed okay i was like oh come on and guys here's the kicker he's used a double barrel shotgun to do it yeah blew up his head <laughs> yep. i was covered in blood it was it was a it was a crazy weekend yeah so i'm sitting here i still am not certain how i feel about this film I know, as you said, Bill, I viscerally, like, emotionally love it. Like, sci-fi like this, like, heady, atmospheric sci-fi is where it's always at. And it's, like, that's the kind of movies I dream of making. It's just, it, it, it's more than just a story. It's a feeling the whole time. And it does such a good job. It's the same way, like, in the way Midsummer is horror, in my opinion. It's not, like, in-your-face horror, but it's, like, very atmospheric, kind of a visceral feeling walking out of it. I would call it dread. Creeping yes, dread. dread. I was just yeah, about to absolutely. say that. Yeah. Bill, you're great. I'm sorry. This I have to no, take I this am. opportunity for this podcast because I did a lot last podcast to say you're great and we share one mind. Okay. Continue. That's kind of sci-fi-ish. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I'm, I'm still struggling with what Richard Stanley was trying to do here. So, go ahead. No, I mean, do you have something, something that's tossed in there? Yeah, I'll let you go and then I'll go. Be well, I let me do say this. I listened to the short story uh, today. I, I popped it up on YouTube. There's a great guy, uh, Horror Babble, I think is his channel's name on YouTube. He just reads short stories for free, like oh, old like horror stuff. That's charming. It's really nice. And he has a great Ooh. voice. He has a very good like Lovecraft style. And so I listen to this. I'm not very well read in Lovecraft, but I know like mythology about it and stuff. Like, I mean, is anyone really role playing oh, games, sorry. things like that? <laughs> That's awesome. I, I, I can am. add that. I can, I can, <laughs> I can get the audio off there and add it to my package, which is the HP Lovecraft package. <laughs> I mean, check you have it to out. Talk to him. I haven't gotten the domain yet, but look up HPLovecraftPackage.com. Don't look and, that and up. I'll look it. <laughs> and but anyway, you're gonna see some weird stuff. <laughs> but anyway, my see, point. You're gonna see an Eldritch Horror. That's <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna make me crash my car. It's public domain. I can use it whatever what I want. I think so, but also remember that Arkham thinks they have a control of it. So yeah, well they can. We could talk about that later. But um, I, I I listened to the short story in hopes that maybe I'd kind of get a better grasp as to what was what was happening because I understood the story obviously, but like what was the subtext? What was happening underneath the surface here? What was Lovecraft trying to get at, if anything? Because I know Lovecraft has a history of kind of just telling weird shit. He doesn't really, besides, like, conveying his racist ideologies in his stories, he doesn't really usually have a theme. So did Richard Stanley have a theme is what I'm struggling with. And I have kind of an idea, but I'm not totally sure. Colin, what were you going to say? Um, I was actually going to... Oh, fuck, I forgot where I read it, but... Stanley actually wants to do a trilogy. This was going to set up the trilogy. Which makes so, sense by that um, tease of, what's it called? I always pronounce it wrong. Uh, the planet. 
Are you they talking should... about Relia? Yeah. That's the underwater city. Oh, okay. What's the planet called then? Um, there are a lot of planets. Oh, well then, fuck it. I don't know. See, um, I know I'm not. I'm not. Well fine. He he wanted to make it a trilogy, so I actually did a little bit of digging. Um, Stanley grew up having his mother read Lovecraft to him, which is kind of fucking weird. That's really mm. fucking weird. Yeah. Uh, Good job, Mama he, Stanley. I mean, it's Stanley, so. I mean, but your ma read, like, Norse mythology to you, didn't she? Yeah, and look how he turned out. He's a <laughs> history teacher. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a topic for another time. But, um, no, uh, Stanley had his mother, or his mother read it to him, and then, so fun fact, his mother recently passed away of cancer. That's not fun at all. No, it's not fun. <laughs> Why did you call that a fun fact, you monster? <laughs> yeah, that's an F I in the podcast. I However, mean, no, you fucking, you fucking monster. I always say fun fact before I say something that's factual. So, I would, I would go to say trivia. <laughs> okay, so trivia. His mother recently died of cancer. <laughs> Quit saying that. That's, that's not better. Trivia. Oh, that fun fact just tickled me. Thank you, Colin. <laughs> no, uh, it's actually quite sad. But It is. Yeah, um, sorry, while she, I'm going to make it more sad, but also kind of wholesome. While she was um, battling cancer, battling cancer. Thank you. He, in turn, read Lovecraft to her. Oh, that's oh, really that's nice. so that's, sweet. That's cool. Fuck, I feel like an asshole. Yeah. That's so so we didn't mean to. No, but it's um. Anyways, I think that's probably what spurned this like passion project out of him. He hasn't directed a feature length film or at least attempted to since 1996. Um, I did look it up. He's not been just like sitting around for 23 years, whatever the fuck it's been. He's done like shorts and stuff like that. He's done television and documentaries. The studios kept him in a closet yeah. until until a couple years ago right, when they walked up class. and unlocked it and opened it up to go, okay, Stan, Richard, you come on out. Richard, you can come out. No, Val Kilmer was the one that did it too. We're just like, all right, nope. all right Richard. You're, you're good. You. You're fine. Okay. Anyways, yeah, that's just some... Uh, little bit of background information i wanted to give about the film so well yeah and you can tell this is a real like passion project this is not a studio piece you know you you talk about how he wants to make it a trilogy but this isn't this isn't a kind of blockbuster franchise this is something that the creator cares deeply about and especially reading listening to the short story and and hearing it um i think in a lot of ways uh richard stanley made it better Personally, I think there's some aspects of it. Apparently, the short story is H.P. Lovecraft's favorite short story of his. It is. Um, I don't think he would like this <laughs> if he saw it, uh, but that's okay because I think this is different in its own way. And while Colin, I think when we had left, or at some point, or maybe it was Bill, one of you said that you you would have liked it maybe a bit more if it was set in like the 20s. Um, kind of set in Lovecraft era, quote-unquote. It quote, is unquote. set in the 20s. The 2020s. <laughs> 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 Boring 20s, New oh, Year. Man, they had Apple AirPods in their ears. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, what was my point? It would have, it, it, it maybe would have been a bit better in the 20s, but I really think that updating it to kind of talk about some, some interesting ideas regarding agriculture in the, in the world and and family dynamics nowadays, I thought that it really, really did well. He blended he blended the old story in with with modern themes very well. Well, let me just say this okay. was kind of a, to an earlier point you were asking about 
um, kind of regarding whether or not Lovecraft had sort of a thesis in mind, mm-hmm. and by extension, Richard Stanley. I can't really speak to Stanley, but I can tell you that Lovecraft kind of like, he's not Junji Ito. He doesn't have like social commentary, really, or sure. any kind of commentary when he's writing his, when he was writing his stories. Just crazy shit happens <laughs> to like, ar- it, like around people and they can't cope with it and this movie really sort of conveys i think really well that sense of just unadulterated madness Mm -hmm. that a lot of like lovecraft characters end up feeling but i mean you 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 know you would have listened to it uh through the audiobook and then a lot of uh, lovecraft's other stories are just kind of told matter of factly you know a lot of them end up being more like detective stories or like mysteries that they're not like this gonzo crazy bullshit that we saw on the screen. I'm sorry, you're not allowed to say Gonzo on this cast. <laughs> Put a clip into that. I wanted to cut straight to Gonzo porn. So um, there I was. Spooky tentacle monster. Uh, but yeah, but it's just like yeah, crazy I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Just like, so a spooky dent so a spooky tentacle monster walks into my office. Legs for days. <laughs> oh God, that reminds me. It drove me mad. <laughs> but you know I have a soft spot for tentacle monsters. Okay, if you want this is completely unrelated, but if you want a batshit wild insane detective story, look up the big Twitter saga of Dick Hardboiled. It's a detective like noir parody, but told in all in tweets. It is off the wall, banana crazy, kind of. It's 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 bizarre, but it's hilarious. I love I'll it. I need it to out. revisit it. Dick Hardboiled. So, <laughs> one of the things that I actually disliked the most about the short story, and not that I didn't like the short story, it was very good. But if I had to critique an aspect of it, it was so disconnected from the conflict. We get this surveyor that shows up, and the surveyor, I assume, is adapted into the water surveyor yeah. in the film. He shows up to this to this town of Arkham. He asks around. He hears about these quote-unquote strange days. He goes to talk to a guy named uh, Ami, I think. Ami. And uh, Ami then tells him about his account of dealing with the gardeners and watching them descend into madness. So it's such a disconnected version of events that I think that one of the things the movie does well is put us in the shoes of the gardeners. And mm-hmm. and obviously with film, I think you kind of had to regardless, but Richard Stanley made a good job. Mm-hmm. He, he At first, it made him, I was thinking that we were gonna see everything from the point of view of the water surveyor. I forget his name. But that's a frame uh, story, Ward. right? That's just a frame story. It is a frame story, it's, but it's, it's for Ward. Warden? Ward. Ward, thank you. Uh, I, at first, I thought the film was going to be in from Ward's perspective, and I'm glad it wasn't. It, we, we got some of his point of view sometimes, but it was mostly the family. And you're right, Bill, it is a frame story, but I thought that that took away from some of the horror of it because we weren't 
necessarily experiencing it. It was all kind of like a story. You're from, getting it third person. It was a third person <laughs> narrative, and it was yeah. just like it was more than a third person narrative in yeah. some aspects. You Which know, in a lot of ways, is kind of a, a failing of Lovecraft. His his stories will often be this kind of third person account, right? You know, a story told sort of yeah, so, orally. Someone reading a book, mm -hmm. somebody reading a crazy book, or writing like writing a, a writing a in diary. a journal. This yeah. is why I have to kill myself right now. And is he kind of um, projecting himself into these narrator positions? You can kind of, you, you could easily just, for all of the narrator's positions, just sort of put his, like, put his picture there, mm -hmm. and it would probably be an accurate representation. Now, you do get some, like, first-person stories occasionally. Um, the Outsider um, kind of is a little bit of a first-person account. Um... The uh, the hound kind of is a first person. A lot of a lot of his stories are kind of these like second hand, third hand accounts. Interesting, kind of a thing. So if you if you're not super into that, you might not like Lovecraft. Lovecraft kind of isn't extremely accessible anyway. He's yeah, got no. a lot of really big ideas when it comes to cosmic horror. Um, but it's, he's I mean, it's it's all good stuff. It's all just go into it like with a wide open mind. Definitely. It's very dense and like I've I've learned today I was like I don't really want to listen to Lovecraft anymore. I'd rather just read Lovecraft, mm. unfortunately, my yeah. opinion on books. Right. Well, yeah. forbades me from doing yeah. so but yeah well lovecraft loves his adjectives so yes. you, you could uh if you if you there there needs to be like an abridged lovecraft where you take out 90 percent of a sentence and you have just the plain context you know but what i think the movie did absolute best in conveying the story was something that always that people always said was unadaptable about the story which was presenting this color out of space Bill walked into the movie. He's like, "So the color's purple, right?" <laughs> like, like everybody knows it's purple, right? Yeah, it's kind of this pinky oh, hell, purple. Bill walked into the movie saying that. So Richard Stanley knew this. He knew going in, you cannot tell a scary story about a color that doesn't exist. It's impossible. You know, this was magenta. It was okay, great. But what he did do was make it. He he found such a way to make it so inaccessible. Still, it did so much, and it and it. Uh, even at times, like, kind of morphed the reality around the camera and, and things like that. It, it was such a, a pleasant way to adapt that kind of idea to film. Something I've always thought, whereas, like, you know, yeah, like, I get that a lot of Lovecraft's stuff relies on not being able to see it. Like, you're never supposed to know for sure what Cthulhu looks like because anyone who looks at him goes mad. So the whole concept, like, okay, fine, find a different way to convey the madness. And I think Richard Stanley did that very well. <clears throat> well, it's interesting you say that because probably my favorite scene in the whole film was when the younger son, I forget his name, but the... Jack. Jack. Yeah, so Jack is standing outside at night, and um, I want to say it's uh, the dog was Sam, right? The dog was named Sam. Yes. So they're looking out kind of like towards the barn in the forest, whatever. It's night. It's dark out. And the way you see the color kind of coming through the tree line and then also the, just the way that you have this like visual distortion, it almost kind of reminded me of like uh, like a Close Encounters type vibe or, or even like uh, what's that movie? It was kind of a shitty movie, but it was did some interesting things uh, it's with the it, it wasn't uh, Oh, 
What was it? We need some context to help. No, it's a movie. It's uh, it's an alien movie, like alien visitation movie. Um, I forget what the heck it's called though. Like recent? Ah, uh, within the last ten years. Um, Science. A bunch of like birds fly at the door and die. Did you guys ever see this one? I think I know the what happening? you're talking about. Or what, no, what no. I think I know what you're talking yeah, about. It was like a weird alien oh. abduction movie. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Kind of the same thing with like the visual distortions. I just thought that scene was really cool. Um, just because of the way that it kind of, uh, like to your point, Ben, it just conveyed this like otherworldliness. The fourth and... kind? No, not that one. Okay, my bad. Continue. Along those lines, though. Yeah, it'll come for back sure, to for me. Sure, but, for sure. um, yeah, no, I, I just, I thought that was a really cool scene just because of, you know, the cinematography, the way that the color was used as like a really cool visual effect, but almost kind of took on, uh, I guess characterization um, and really it did as the film kind of moved on I thought that was more effective and I enjoyed those early scenes more when you kind of see those subtle changes in the scene you know like I think there was another one where you can see the house and you can see like their car or they got like a station wagon whatever the hell it is and you can just kind of see the the air or the atmosphere around the house kind of morphed yep. in these really subtle ways then you start noticing other things you know the vegetation the insects you know little kind of environmental cues that kind of change and change and change and then ultimately by the end of the film it's a fucking tornado portal thing you know what i mean like and that's cool but i, I don't know i love the subtlety of it i love kind of like the slow build which is kind of one of my main points of the film um which i, I know like i haven't really talked that much this cast surprise but i think that um i actually really enjoyed the movie i think it was kind of i was caught up in the experience of seeing it especially in that environment so i mean i had a lot of chuckles and kind of a lot of like well that's ridiculous but ultimately the more i was able to think on it i, I did i really enjoyed it i thought it was it was a good movie it was definitely really solid um but yeah like i, I just i love the slow burn of this movie yeah I, I thought it was great and it was funny a little bit ago you brought up midsummer i actually watched midsummer last night and i'm generally a fan of uh, is it re aster mm -hmm. i'm generally a fan of his films and another film that kind of resonated with me or that I thought of as I was watching this was Hereditary because in a different way, there's kind of the uh, the same sort of focus on family and family drama, family conflicts. Uh, I think you said, like, what constitutes a modern family. Mm -hmm. um, so I thought watch, that was kind did of... Did you watch the shots that he replicated for Midsummer? They, they, like, put a bunch of frames yeah, on each other. That. Oh he, really? He, he yeah, I didn't get hereditary he parallels was, hereditary. Oh, that's was, super cool. Parallel, sorry, that's the proper term. Mm -hmm. yeah. When he was making Midsummer, in a lot of ways. Sorry. It's no. an interesting idea, and I'm and this is totally off topic now. I'm going. I'm interested to see what he does for his third film well, if he's going to continue. It's to not parallel off topic because I'm going to segue off that. Okay, interesting. Just because. Um, before I mentioned a trilogy, so. Um, <clears throat> A little bit more to mention that I didn't before. Uh, one of the production companies in this was, and the main one, was Spectre Vision. Spectre Vision is a company created by Elijah Wood, oh. Daniel Noah, and uh, oh, one other director. What is his name? Which explains why that Josh Elijah C. Wood Waller, was, sorry. Which explains why that Elijah Wood trailer was attached to the film. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Um, so their plan was to make a trilogy if this is received well enough I don't know if it was or not it's currently made $676,000 and it's going to be 576 a, it's going to be a Lovecraft trilogy uh, the next one planned Dunwich Horror 
Yes. Whoa! Yep. It is Dunwich Horror, and they said... Starring Val Kilmer. Basically, they said uh, Stanley may or may not be attached to that one, too. All right. Here's, here's why I have hope that this is going to continue, because I don't think any of them walked in expecting this to profit. This is art. This, this is the true version of art and cinema. And I don't think anyone walked in expecting them to make their money back on this. This is this is as art as it comes. Like we saw it in the music box, guys. We didn't go to AMC Showplace bullshit. We saw it in a movie theater. We saw it in in the Church of Film, and it was something else. And I I really really hope that's their concept going into this, because I want more. I want more of whatever the fuck they're smoking. Well, yeah. I mean, when you think about it too. Like, really, apart from some of the visual effects, I mean, I guess there was kind of like, you know, some creature effects that they did. Um, some of that seemed like it was practical. There's a few things that were, you know, I guess touched up or CGI or whatever. But, like, generally, apart from just kind of like the psychedelic sort of color or like the just the visual, like, aberration that's going on throughout the whole movie, it's a house. It's a, it's a house and a bunch of actors. I mean, so that's the thing. I think, what would we say? The budget was like six million bucks or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I have like, to assume that a lot of that's in marketing because there, it couldn't have been that much to film it. Also, I just want to take this one moment to say that the <laughs> entire movie was filmed in Portugal. Oh, wow. Wow. Well, that's, that's interesting. interesting. I yeah. I could have, I would have been like, yeah. I that's, thought they nailed England, the East Coast. Sure. That's definitely. New England for sure. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's the thing. I feel like, you know, we, we talk about, uh, we hope that they get to kind of play out whatever you know series of films they want to do i think they could if they kind of keep it and and that's you know to i guess the source materials credit like that's really lovecraft like sure if you get into some of the other um you know stories he does i guess you might get into like creature effects or costuming or makeup or whatever but like set wise i mean you're really all the stories are kind of they share similar dna as far as that goes so you really don't have to spend that much to make an adaptation of it. I think you just really have to have the right people involved and a strong script and someone who has a strong vision for telling that story. I will say that if they have, uh, they do uh, end up adapting the Dunwich Horror, they are going to have to, I think, up their effects budget a little bit for that one in particular. But that's another one where it just kind of focuses around like a house or like kind of like a, a really small like kind of backwoods town so it it could just be another you know kind of like uh, whatever shoot on location in portugal and uh go from there based on what you saw with uh ward's vision at the end of that movie do you think demotor would be a good follow-up to this um so i i do think so um that being said the dunwich horror and uh color out of space are unrelated in terms of just neither of them are directly preceding or uh, following up any other one. They're kind of unrelated events that are happening with these eldritch gods. However, it's worth noting that Ward is now set up to be this surveyor, this mm-hmm. narrator. Yeah, this Charles Maybe. Dexter which, Ward. Which is cool. wonderful even more mm-hmm. because Ward is a black man. I just wanted to point that out because we can't talk about Lovecraft without really like making it clear that the dude was a racist. You piece could of shit. talk about Lovecraft without mentioning that you just are. <laughs> I don't think you could because people are going to point it out regardless. Yeah, people are going to point out a lot of things that you don't have. Well, to. Well, I just wanted to say that I enjoy the fact that the that the studio 
separates themselves from the creator in that way. Yes, the content is wonderful, but we gotta also remember the creator was awful. That's all. I think that's an interesting point. You can disagree. Hey, man. They did, in my book, this movie was better than uh, Underwater just because the black dude didn't die first. So. It's true. Yeah, well, it's true. it was <laughs> better for, better than underwater. underwater for a lot of reasons, but not that it, not to diss hey, Underwater. Hey, you're the one who fucking sold me on Underwater, Ben. Not, yeah. not to diss Underwater. I, underwater was a good film. This was a great film, so. All right. <laughs> yeah, underwater was an okay film. Oh, man. Speaking of water, Ben. Water. <clears throat> you mentioned it to me. Yeah. And I don't know why. <laughs> why? Okay, so maybe this is just me wrestling with my, my own madness, me trying to find a meaning in the madness, and maybe it's not there. Maybe, as Miller said, there's there's nothing to it. It's just... Crazy shit happens. Crazy shit happens. However, um, something I noticed that was a theme in the short... Not a theme in the short story, but mentioned in the short story a bit, and then a bit more prominently in the movie, was water and the concept of it being tainted especially with um, Ward being a water surveyor for this dam that was coming to the area. In the short story, the area becomes a reservoir, I believe, as a result of what happens. It's not like a company is making their way there to build something. It's just the, the, the color destroys the area and it's left, and it's, it leaves like a crater, and it fills the area. This is gonna sound nuts. I, the, every time I start thinking about it and start building like evidence for this, it sounds stupid. And I'm just like, okay, go back to the drawing boards. But I keep coming back to this idea of water and the importance of water in society, but how this, how we have this society, this small form of society out here in the sticks. We have the Gardner family, we have Ezra, and we have Ward, and they make up a sample size of society, and here, water is very important. It all focuses on a well. The well is very important. But the well is tainted. The water is tainted. Then you have Nick Cage. My man. Who gives the performance of a lifetime, and was totally snubbed with the Oscars this year who, as he goes mad, begins to emulate Donald Trump. Did anyone catch that throughout this? I caught a few things. It was, it was, it was noticeable and very on purpose, in my opinion. It was not something where he was like... No, there were a few lines where I was like, oh, he's just... And he, he was thing. doing the fingers, yep. too, when he spoke. It was, it was very on purpose, that much I'm sure of. As to whether Nick Cage was emulating Donald Trump to symbolize madness, well, he definitely was. But I have to also believe that he... There here, are Republican listeners. Here is my... I don't give a shit about them. <laughs> there, there, there was, here is my the door is blue argument, okay? You know, the English teachers, the door is blue, they start crying. Here's my the door is blue argument. Um, The film is a commentary about water and the ongoing um, deconstruction of the infrastructure of water in America and the ongoing ignoring from the government about its continual uh, degrading infrastructure. 
That's what I say. Well, so, obviously. I, I got to stop you there for one <laughs> second there, Bill. Obviously. Because I'm going to do the uh, uh, unpretentious art school student about the whole Doors Blue thing. I don't be need like, to be pretentious. No, I'm I know. Just, I know what you're doing. Thinking. No, it I know. makes me think. But it's just Lovecraft's genre that he mm-hmm. effectively created is cosmicism. Wikipedia defines cosmicism as... Uh, the literary philosophy developed by the American writer H.P. Lovecraft, stating that there's no recognizable divine presence such as God in the universe, and that humans are particularly insignificant in the larger scheme of intergalactic existence. I don't Certainly. think that there were. I. I. I and I. I am not. Um, what's his name? Richard Spencer, the director. Richard Stanley. Stanley. Um, I can't speak to whether or not Stanley had uh, any ulterior motives. Stanley, if you're listening to this podcast, please uh, send us a DM. Yes, and we will have you on here. Um, but relating to cosmicism, the meteor just happened to fall on their property. Mm-hmm. There was no, there was nothing that set it in motion, and there was nothing that it. it there was no. There was no space malevolence that right. caused this to happen. It was just happenstance. So I don't, I mean, I I just can't see it as a commentary on anything. I mean, whether or not he was channeling Donald Trump, whether or not it was a commentary on something, like there's, I think there's a stronger, I think there's a stronger viewing of this movie that doesn't have anything to do with an, a narrative or a, a an underlying um, uh an underlying narrative of any sort like that. But I mean, I can see your point. Right. And I respect yours like entirely. And Mm -hmm. I totally, there's definitely multiple viewings of this. Richard Stanley could be like, no, Ben is wrong. Andrew's right. It's just, it's just crazy. Because, because I totally understand. I, I I get cosmicism and all that. Like I said, I'm not well read in Lovecraft, but I get the idea around it. It's just that for me, there was so much surrounding water that it was like, what is he trying to do here? Like, like the goop in the shower, I admittedly stepped out to the bathroom for like 10 seconds and I got back and I was like, what the fuck did I miss? Well, well a lot of a lot of Lovecraft stories have to do with water really? in general. Yeah, um, in Call of Cthulhu there, you know. Well, he the, comes out of the, the, Well, he comes out of the water, <laughs> but then he, you know, the, the grandpa or the uncle at the beginning of that, um, he, his whole emphasis for dying was that he was on this um, cruise, on this on this voyage out at sea. Um, there's a like there are there are a lot of like Lovecraft mentionings, and especially if they if we do get that um, Dunwich horror, there's a lot more well shenanigans huh. happening huh. and stuff like so, that. So it's not just this movie. That's interesting then, because that makes me yeah. think. So if yeah. And well, and, and Lovecraft is a New England guy. He's a port town True. guy. He loves, he loves New England. That actually continues. Okay, so here. Okay, so if he's not trying to get anything, which we know Lovecraft was likely never getting at anything, and most importantly, we're we're almost we're pretty sure of it, right? Yeah. Like, he, well, yeah, his philosophy was that we are alone in this right. uni- universe. And, so, you know. whether Richard Stanley was or not, fine. But maybe that has to do then with a. Um, Lovecraft comparing water with the cosmos, as many do, how we often don't understand, we still do not fully understand what is we underwater. No. <laughs> Let's come back. 
circled around. Um, <laughs> how we still don't understand what's down there. So maybe there's an underlying fear in Lovecraft that he's projecting through his writing. If water is that prevalent, yeah. Maybe there's an underlying fear of, of what is out there. Yeah. The water is actually representative well, yeah, of the we cosmos. Don't know what's out there, you know? Yeah, I can't. That's interesting. I can't speak to why well, Cthulhu is a squiddy faced monster. Yeah, that. Underwater. Back to that tentacle boy. They, you know what? I read that water. article. Maybe I read it. that article, and they said that the guys, the the director, said it was Cthulhu, and it's Straight like, up, yeah. well, well, I don't you think guys, they could kill Cthulhu that way, but okay. You guys saw Kristen Stewart in the post credit scene for this. Oh right, right. yeah. <laughs> Did you guys stick around for that? I forgot. I was there. Uh huh. Yeah, it was pretty wild. So yeah, Underwater actually is the sequel. Yeah. To, to the color purple. To color, yeah. Oh. <laughs> You just said the color purple. I was on purpose. That's I know. Anyways. Not to be confused. Anyways. I said that very so, clearly. They are very different films. Lovecraft would definitely not no, agree but, with Yeah, me. the last color to the left. Um, <laughs> no, Ben, I, I think your underwater theory, or sorry, your water theory is actually... It holds water. Pretty good. Yeah, it holds, it holds water. I would hope so. Yeah. Well, especially when you saw, like, you know, the, the blood coming out of the sink and everything. And mm -hmm. The waters. Oh, man. It was good. So I just have to say... I like that theory, but last night when I communed with H.P. Lovecraft's spirit in my Necronomicon blood ritual, As he do. told me oh, that this, yeah, I know, it's pretty wild, but, um, or as I like to call it, Monday night, right? Um, he told me that this is actually a thoughtful rumination on the family, and more interestingly, I mean, I brought it up a little bit ago, like, that was really my reading of the movie, like, I, I, I definitely you could pick up on some environmentalist themes, I think, or some scratch in the surface there. I don't think it really ever uh, dove too deep into that by any means. But that was really my main takeaway was just how we looked at this family. And I think we talked about it before. You know, the original story is set, you know, in the early 20th century. Um, with this being modern times, you know, you've got cell phones and you've got, um, you know, what headphones, I almost said Walkmans, <laughs> but you've got headphones, you know, I think the daughter, uh, Lavinia, is sitting there and she's got, you know, her heavy metal garb on and she's got headphones on and everything else. So obviously it's very modern sort of context, but I just thought it was interesting because um, I'm, I don't actually have much familiarity with the, the source material story. I, I read it a long time ago, but I didn't have the chance to kind of go back and reread it again before this cast. Um, but that being said, like, I don't know. I just thought it was it was interesting the way that all the characters are kind of portrayed. Like I thought all the characters kind of had their thing and I thought they did it well. But in the context of kind of how the family was built up and developed and then ultimately how it kind of fell apart, I thought like there were interesting things because you'd think like with Nicolas Cage's character and his characterization, you know, he I, there was that one scene where he had that freak out outside the barn with Lavinia, you know, he's just yelling at her and I forget exactly what he said, but it was outrageous. I think it was very, everyone was very laughed. abusive. Yeah. Yeah. What was it? He was just like, could you just go the fuck away? Yeah. It was yeah. something like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, so you have all those scenes and you know, it almost kind of feels like a certain like callousness coming from Nick Cage's character's part, you know, like he's, he's kind of this, city guy kind of out of his element or maybe he wasn't a city guy initially but you know he he's kind of out of his element doing this whole rural sticks thing trying to raise alpacas and you know farm tomatoes or whatever like it's not really his thing obviously his wife is still you know uh kind of a, a workaholic business person whatever 
Uh, I think they bring up the fact that the Wi-Fi is down or, or doesn't work correctly. Satellite, like, yeah. Yeah, four or five times throughout the course of the film. But, like, you know, you kind of see the, these characters, and it was interesting to me because in the end, when, you know, the um, uh, Jolie Richardson Richardson's character kind of, like, has become this horrific creature and, like, fused with Jack and whatever, like... It's terrifying, by the way. That, yeah, Nick, that literally was, that like, was, I think the first part of the movie where I'm like, I have become uncomfortable. This is literal horror. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, and, and just the way it extreme. happens, too. They get zapped by yeah, the color lightning, the, you know, yeah. and then it's like, oh, okay, well, you... So my point is that upon the initial viewing, you know, as it's happening, I didn't really catch the depth of, like, the characterizations of the family members. But the more that I was able to kind of think about it, I, I think there was a lot of depth there. Like, I think I was saying, like, Nick Cage's character, you know, he goes and he blows away the thing alpacas or whatever in the barn. And you think, okay, he's going to go upstairs and he's going to take out, you know, the, the monster that his wife and you know son have kind of become, right? But he can't do it. He can't really bring himself to do it, at least initially. And I thought that was kind of interesting because you see a lot of that with the rest of the family. Like, I think Lavinia... You know, that's really our main kind of, um, I don't know, main character that kind of takes us through the events of the story, I think. or she becomes least, an anchor. Yeah, yeah, kind of an anchor character, I guess. But, you know, she spends the whole second half of the movie trying to get away. You know, that's the whole thing she's working towards is, oh, yeah, let's get away. She's going to get on her horse and ride away and whatever. And in the end, she stays, she, she stays at the house. And I thought it was interesting because it's almost like she like kind of embodies this chaos she feels like no one really understands her and then in that moment when she kind of is you know i guess becomes one with like the color it's almost like she finally found like belonging that was kind of my reading of it that's good so i don't know i mean i feel like oh she kind of embraced that chaos or like felt one with that sort of sense of chaos so i don't know i mean i really think i leaned on the um the, the family elements of the movie and that was my reading of it i like that I kind of saw. I see what you're saying. It makes sense. Um, kind of attached to that. I saw it more of an, an obsession thing. Everybody became obsessed with something they care about. She was obsessed with getting away. Uh, the one son was obsessed with the dog. The little son was obsessed with the well. The mother was obsessed with the internet, and Nick Cage was obsessed with his family. It was falling apart. That's what he cared about most. Well, and the other. Alpacas. <laughs> oh, I mean, everybody's obsessed like with you, alpacas. Yeah, right. Like but, you handled the alpacas. Oh, God, I love that line. It's so uh, good. <laughs> um, no, but overall, I think everybody kind of fell into their obsessions during that movie. More alpaca I, milk for Nick Cage. And what's so good is that all of these... I'm not saying mine. I mean, that's too pretentious. But, like... These these takes work, like that's that's always like my thing about like the doors blue arguments is like, yeah like, I personally like as a writer I'm not a successful writer I I you know Colin and I are award winning writers but that's beside the point. <laughs> we um, totally are though um, beside the point if I write something and a reader looks at it and takes something different away I'm not mad about it. And I, you know, that's where I've always thought, like, you know, people who make fun of, like, The Door is Blue are kind of, like, missing the point. It's like, the point is to get you to think critically about what you're reading or watching. 
And there's something to be said about a movie that gets us to critically think in such a in such diverse ways about different topics. And and these topics were also like in my mind, but like the water is what what stood prominent to me, which is why I mentioned it. But like this this film got us to think so differently in so many different directions because there's so much going on, and it's just something else. I just wanted to praise that, you know. No, I agree. Honestly, I'm surprised that I didn't get a whole lot of subtext out of it. I just personally just kind of experienced the film. Which is I, also a whole other kind right. of acceptance. Well, of well, Bill, I, I feel we gave you a PBR before you went. Oh, yes, so. exactly. So I was a little bit tipsy. Becky was uh, just, there. Just so, anybody, just so everybody knows, I have about 0.25 alcohol alcoholic beverages a week so um no i feel i feel like i walked into that and just kind of had a visceral emotional experience like we said earlier and it wasn't so much like a intellectual experience for me because sure. i just was so horrified honestly which is also great yeah, yeah. it I did mean, its job i would I expect mean, that of a yeah. horror film so yeah mm. well i will say too you know I, I thought one of the elements of this that you know in the moment was kind of ridiculous and obviously there's a lot of laughs in this but this was almost the exact opposite of, I think, our recent coverage here over the last few weeks. Uh, maybe not The Expanse, but certainly uh, Valerian and, you know, Underwater, I would say, where, you know, there's moments that maybe were played for a certain sort of dramatic effect and they fell flat and they became funny. Like, I feel like everything in this film that came off as, like, campy or ludicrous was totally tongue-in-cheek it was totally done on purpose well, I was yes, sitting, nick, nick yeah. cage wasn't sitting there beating the hood of that station wagon or whatever beating the dashboard thinking you know that that was going to be taken as a serious dramatic whatever he wasn't saying you know um you know i'm gonna go, I'm gonna go milk the alpacas or whatever without that intent of kind of comedic you know like levity like i think that was on purpose so that's why those scenes worked for me because i knew it was trying to be Ridiculous, and it was trying to be funny, and it was trying to kind of have a laugh in this mm-hmm. horrific sort of space, you know. So that's why it worked for me, and ultimately it didn't hurt yeah. the film. Whereas that same type of thing hurts, usually will hurt the film for me if it isn't intended. Mm-hmm. And well, and that's exactly the same. Uh, it's it's applied the the whole Star Wars bathos thing, where sometimes in Star Wars these like stupid little droid quips or whatever these like little insipid comments that characters make they don't work because it's just you've you've taken a deadly serious moment and just juxtaposed it with this just out and out joke but the reason why i think it works so well in this is because it's a consistent tone it's like i'm gonna go it's like there's there's almost like an underlying insidiousness to it like you can tell something's going to happen. And so even though this line is played for comedy, it's like this is it's foreshadowing this whole weird alpaca transformation, you know, that something's, you know, it's it's um, Chekhov's alpaca. If you put an alpaca in the first act and don't use it by the third act, it's a bad movie. <laughs> You're not wrong. I feel like every you heard it here, folks. Movie. Yep. But I was sitting between uh, uh, you, Jason, and Rachel, and like I, both of you were laughing at these moments, and I'm like, they, they're both simultaneously having like bad reactions. They're like losing their minds in front of me. <laughs> um, so, man, yeah. I think I want to throw at you guys right now. We set my bad side. Let's do it. Oh wait, I, can I just say one more thing? Sure. Just I'll be really. But quick. then you're the first person to go with. Okay. The bad side. Bye. I'll be very very quick. All right. Uh, I I was just kind of looking through things, and Nicholas Cage actually did win an award for this. 
Uh, yes. BAFTA? No. A BAFTA. At the Toronto International uh-huh. Film Festival, he won, and I don't know if it's technically for this, but it's just for him overall. He won the Creative Coalition Spotlight Initiative Award, which I thought was really cool. And he had said, which I thought was really nice and I wanted to share, he said, during his acceptance speech, he said, art has always been something like a medicine to me, the healthiest medicine, a medicine that takes the lead of pain and transmutes it, transmutes it into the gold of creative expression. So, yeah. oh, it looks I like, like he was honored for, for his philanthropy mostly, but this was right before the premiere of Colorado Space. They held the awards right before the premiere. So I'm going to say it's for this too. Well, I think he's getting to a point now in his career where it's, it, he, you know, he, he had that real early phase where he was doing kind of the the art films if you will and obviously won awards and everything else like that then he kind of got to market saturation and did a bunch of very you know commercial mainstream kind of shitty films and i feel like now you know he i would just like to say the rock is a great film oh, oh yeah I, I would say that's in okay. that just making you know, sure we yeah, got that no 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 in that i would consider in the phase of good films he okay. made but cool. he certainly got to a point probably like i don't know early 2010s you know late aughts where it was like whoa nick what what are you doing man like it was some really rough material there but like now what does he got to prove he doesn't have to prove anything he's got more money than i'm sure he needs so like i like seeing him in these types of roles where it's just like you know to to ben's point from earlier it's it's art like who cares the the point of this is not to get in in as many screens as possible and to make as much money as possible the point is to tell a good story and i feel like this movie did that um and i mean kudos to nick cage and i feel like that quote that quote is more in line with who i think he is as a person and certainly who he views himself maybe is as an artist that might not line up always with the choices he makes or the you know material that he kind of works with for whatever reason he does but Ultimately, I like Nick Cage. I think we all do. Definitely. You know? Oh yeah. No, no matter how much shit he's, he's a part of our childhood. <laughs> yeah. No. No matter how much shit he's pooped out here, <laughs> I think you know he he'll always have a film like this where it's like, oh yeah, he, he dude's actually pretty talented. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the day. All right. Uh, good sci-fi, bad sci-fi, right? I woke up on. Uh, we watched the film Saturday evening. Woke up Sunday. Went to lunch with Colin, and I said. I'm not sure what was a dream and what was real because it's just such this atmospheric, heady film. I don't know if if I was just driven to nightmares of memories or if I actually experienced the whole thing. But movies like that have, have a place, special place in my heart. And while it definitely wasn't a perfect film, it was definitely good sci-fi. It was definitely a good movie. And you should fi- support it financially however you can, as soon as you can. That is all. Jason? So I would give this movie four Rummy Jerry's <laughs> out of five. I think that, um, you know, in the in the moment, in the viewing, like, uh, yeah, you know, we, we were having a good time. We were kind of taking our field trip and we were all getting a little silly. At least I know I was getting silly. Um, but it was, you know, a fun night out in the city. And um, I definitely had some time after the fact to think about it. And I kind of have to share, you know, in, I guess, uh, kind of Ben's thoughts on it or take on it. Like, I feel like, was it a perfect movie? Absolutely not. Were there things I could pick out that I didn't really like or decisions that were made that I didn't really care for? Yeah, sure, fine. But 
you know, I look at a film like this in the same way that I look at like a Midsummer or a Hereditary or even a, a The Witch, you know, like it's it's art for the right reasons. It's taking risks. It's, you know, it doesn't really have an agenda other than to just be something that can be, I don't know, thought of more deeply or considered more deeply than kind of your modern like popcorn fare that I think we're inundated with. So ultimately, I thought it was effective at kind of doing what it wanted to do. I think it was effective at kind of conveying uh, Richard Spencer's vision, and it was kind of cool to see him come back, and I'm glad he was able to come back on something like this after Dr. Moreau, which, you know... His name's was, not Richard Spencer. Huh? Richard His, Stanley. Richard Stanley. Stanley. I oh. said Richard Spencer, but... Sorry, you threw me off. Sorry. Um, I threw me off. So, anyway, uh, I would say it was a good movie, and I would say it was good sci-fi. Definitely need to support... Um, productions like this because i think as we discussed with like the expanse and some other stuff that we've covered recently that is where sci-fi is at that that is where i think the good sci-fi is happening on your screen thank you jason um i'm gonna just quickly say i think this was uh, bad sci-fi um wow so so we're overthrowing the uh, host, right? Yeah. 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 So <laughs> this movie was fun. I thought it was great. However, I have my own criteria for what I think is good sci-fi, and this one did not uh, meet it. Show your work. Okay, I'm going to show my work. I think for me, what is good sci-fi is to explore what it means to be human. This does not do it. Right. Okay. However, I, I will say it was a great film. I enjoyed it. It's good horror. Very good horror. I enjoyed it. Um, but at the end of the day, this doesn't do it for me. So, in a an alien rock dropping out of space does not make it sci-fi enough. Let me just say good sci-fi. Listeners, we are now taking applications for a new host <laughs> for Sci-Fi Cross Section. Hey man, Please send no, your... hey, I got hey, other, got other podcasts. Hey, He's entitled. No, I got other podcasts. No, 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 do what no, you no. got to do. Hey. No, I, I mean that's fair, Colin. Yeah, we're so bringing anyway. back. Um, we're bringing that back. That one useless podcast we did that one time, right? Oh my god, what, what was, was that thing called? called? I don't even fucking know. You're the one who came. It was up lack, with of lack of interest. Lack of interest. Yeah, we're bringing back lack of interest. Yeah, podcast that didn't exist. This, I, I tend to gravitate i think on this show towards um movies and content that are uh, what i would consider love letters to the fans and this is absolutely that if you're an hp lovecraft fan um with any with any you know seriousness you're gonna find a lot that you're gonna like about this movie um i don't know what they're gonna do if they uh do end up doing um the dunwich horror because the one of the central characters names and that is lavinia central character so not really sure how that's going to work out um but i i loved everything about it you know i this is a great i like this as a great sci-fi movie it's one of you know lovecraft's few sci-fi he's not really a sci-fi guy despite all of the uh uh aliens and other horror elements and stuff like that it's not really the kind of crux of what he's going for so i can get that your point that it's not sci-fi enough for you that makes sense to me um I can believe that, but uh, I liked it uh, for what it was. I thought it was awesome. I loved the experience of going there in the theater with all these people around us, and it's just, oh, this was this was a great this was a great experience for me. So love it. 
I would say, um, I would say, if I had to say off the bat, bad sci-fi, I agree with Colin on what he had to say. Um, just because in my mind, I believe that uh, <laughs> I think one of the greatest things about sci-fi is that science. It makes it, you ask questions. It's plausible. No, it's not. It's not the only criteria. But I feel like with sci-fi, it, it has to be kind of plausible to me, and it kind of feels like kind of feel it kind of feels very spiritual to me in a way a little just too much too much spiritual for me it feels like like elder gods and eldritch eldritch horror and stuff like that so it um i think that's one of the issues that pushed me away i like the movie it was a very good experience i like i give it four casper bandines out of five so it's good (laughs) all right well there you have it folks we have uh you gave it stars right he gave it Rummy Jerry's. He gave it Rummy Jerry's. You gave it uh, Casper Van Deen's. I give it uh, Mutated Alpacas. You, or no, I give it Ducks. You gave it Ducks. And <laughs> I give it five Ducks out of five. <laughs> it's all over Put the Put all place. my Ducks in a row. But I think, collectively, we all enjoyed this movie. Yes. yes. This yeah. was a good movie. If you have not seen it yet, please do so. At this point, it's probably on Amazon Prime or something. Well, no, it might mean it might even still be at the music box because we're posting this on Thursday. Ben, is it? Is it uh, uh, stand by, stand by. I can check quickly. Uh, vamp. 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 Do you not know what vamp means? Does that mean bullshit so that we build in space? They've, they've added more dates. It's for sure playing through at least the 13th. Uh, let me see if I can find a full calendar to see if it goes past Get that. that Valentine's Day Basically, freaky Nick Cage bullshit. Guys, I just, I want, I want the box office to ramp up for this movie just because I want a sequel. I want to yeah. see this trilogy we've made. Yeah. We need, we could get this movie to $800 million. They don't have any dates past uh, the 13th, but they do seem to keep adding them, so with any with any luck, hopefully they'll keep adding some dates. So for all our Chicagoland area uh, listeners, if you can make it over to the Music Box Theater check it out pack those shows i know we're, we're wrapping up but i have one extra comment so my experience in the music box theater was beautiful because it really felt like i was watching a movie with a bunch of friends but everybody in the theater was friends that are in on the joke definitely like everybody's laughing about alpacas yeah. everybody's yeah. At, laughing oh, about the stuff and it's like and everybody's horrified and looking at each other yeah. and i feel like it's an experience that you have to have in the theater that's that's really you have yeah. to be in the theater and watching this film you'd think Definitely. they were paying us <laughs> yeah basically yeah well i mean let's I do a collab music box music box sponsor us anyways <laughs> there you have it folks that is the color out of purple space what ben <laughs> remember we gotta, I, I gotta chat with the audience really quick oh you're right so <laughs> there Wait, you what? have it the color out of space what are we doing next what's next week uh, oh, next God. week's back to the future i think is it are we starting that already well, I, I had to move that up because of some new releases. Oh. So I knew. Well, yeah, I knew we were kind of. Yeah, your your stuff kind of got spread out. Yeah, next yeah. week's next week's Back to the Future. Okay. Well, we'll uh, intro that one when uh, it comes to. Yeah. And if you haven't already, please leave a review on whatever podcast medium that you choose to listen to. I got two reviews this week alone. Yeah. So well. let's let's come on, come on, give us those reviews. And after you review it, fucking tell somebody, tell a friend. Hey, check out these boys over at... We spread so... Podcasts spread so well by word of mouth. I can't tell you how many 
convos I've just had with friends about, oh, yeah. have you ever heard of this podcast? Well, that's how it Mark will go on, you know, he'll, he's talked to me about those, you know, that true crime podcast he likes a lot. He likes it a lot. I don't know what it's called. Let, well, let's not talk about them on uh, this podcast. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to name drop it. They haven't paid us. So. <laughs> All right. Benjamin. Uh, yeah, just a heads up to everyone. Uh, we're getting the hell off of SoundCloud. Uh, it's a... I know, I know we do have some listeners on SoundCloud, and I'm sorry about that, but it's it's not a good hosting so- system, and it's, it's not made for our medium. So <clears throat> there may come a point here, probably this weekend, hopefully, if we can agree to finally, finally pull the trigger, uh, that you may see our stuff kind of disappear for a little bit. Uh, we will be back. Um, we're, we're, we're switching over our hosting software. And with that, my hope is to upload our first 11 episodes when we switch over also. Um, so it's everything's in chronicle, chronological order. Those deep cuts. No deep cuts anymore. We'll just have them numbered. And so you'll hear, you'll hear very different qualities uh, early on. But uh, it is what it is, and uh, I think the content's still good. Yeah, uh, like all podcasts. My, my, my Rogue One essay is definitely somewhere in there, oh, which, yes. is, which is great. I can't wait. Um, so, yeah, just a heads up to everyone. If you're trying to listen to us this weekend, I'm hoping this weekend, we'll talk about that afterwards, um, we may be off of your podcast systems momentarily, but we will be back. Don't worry. It's all good. Don't panic. Don't panic. Everything is okay. Andrew, play Don't Panic by Coldplay. Until next time. (laughs) Sci-Fi Boys, out.